You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. prison what Christ was doing. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. And the church said, I mean, right here is a great passage because John just is questioning the ministry right there. And Jesus tells him right there, very simply, he says, the blind receive sight, that people are beginning to see the miracles. He says, the lame walk, those who were hurt are now walking with God. He says, those who have leprosy and all the different diseases that make you numb because leprosy numbs the limbs. He says, now they feel the heat of the gospel and they're cured of their leprosy. He said, those who haven't even heard the death here and good news is preached to the poor right there. Well, of course, we are back from Los Angeles, California right there. And I bring you good news from L.A. And uh, before we get into the, uh, the lesson today, we'll have a little bit of a shorter lesson because we've got to tell you about all the good news that's happening around the world. And of course, uh, we have a, a few brothers and sisters that are going to be sharing with you what inspired them about the Global Leadership Conference. Now, we have to understand this was a Global Leadership Conference. This, this was a conference that did not have the entire church there. Yet, even without the entire church there on Sunday, I believe there were upwards of 1,200 1,200 people there on Sunday there for worship service. It was an amazing time. The speeches were incredible. I encourage you to go online and listen to the great passages that were used, the great principles that were taught. And of course, we're going to hear again uh, from some of our brothers and sisters from our fellowship about what inspired them. And I'm, I'm personally excited because I know at the end of uh, all of the, the disciples here in London that we'll be sharing, we'll hear from our sister Casey Thomasford right there. She's going to be sharing good news as well. We're also encouraged because, of course, during the communion contribution, uh, communion is going to be done uh, by our brother uh, Jock Grinwald right there, and uh, or, or uh, Jeanette Grinwald rather, and Jock's going to be doing the contribution right there. Amen. And uh, well, if you're going to clap, you got to clap right there. No half-hearted clapping right there. We got to give it all up for uh, for Jock and Jeanette. They've done an amazing job in our absence right there, and uh, we are so grateful uh, for their love, for their hard work, working a full-time job, and of course cranking the church. Uh, and God has definitely done amazing things. So with no further ado, I want to invite up our first mission prophet right there that's got some good news to share with you. Our brother Blaze Fumba is going to be sharing first. I was really privileged and humbled to be part of the conference this year. I don't know. Uh, you got to see this to believe it. I'm sure there are videos that we can order and see online, uh, but the conference was amazing. Having all the leaders around the world coming together to uh, uh, seek God's face first, to listen to God, and to have the Holy Spirit put God's plan on our hearts so that we can truly go and impact the world in this generation. Uh, for me, I've, I've learned so many things at the conference, but one thing that really stands out for me uh, is in John chapter 15, verse 15, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. But I call you my friends. Why? Because the servants does not know 
anything about his master business. So I call you my friend and so that everything that I've learned from my father, I told you. You see, Jesus himself, being the son of God, did not want to evangelize the world with servants. He wanted to do that with friends. I mean, only friends can truly share deep things together. And Jesus being the son of God, he knew, he knew everything about God. And he shared that to his friends. So that they in turn can evangelize and baptize people in nations and turn them into their friends. And share to them everything they have learned from Jesus. That's how the gospel was carried from generation to generation up to us today. And my challenge was, am I really building great friendships in the kingdom? Or am I just doing my job somewhere with some few people in my life? I mean, this is a church of all nations, brothers and sisters. This is not just a church in, in London or in LA or in Paris. We're going to go everywhere. That means now the churches are growing, the kingdom is growing. We just sent send new mission teams, and we had leaders coming all around the world. I was looking to, at some of these brothers. I didn't really know them. I know I joined last year, but it's not an excuse, you know, to know Brother Roger in, in, in uh, Chennai. He's a fierce warrior there doing the job. And you have other brothers? I was so amazed. I was really thankful to God to see Amadou from Abidjan being able to come to the conference. It's my friends. I need, it. I need more friends in my life. As I'm, in, I'm an evangelist in God's kingdom. And a lot of evangelists in God's kingdom doing the work. I need to really be friends with all these guys. I, I can't just see them at conference, say hello, and then come back to London and see you next year. I don't think that's the way the apostles were walking. That's not the way the first century disciples were walking. They had close friendship. Because if we are not close, if I don't have friends in my life, I'm not going to share what's going on in my life. I'm not going to share what's going on in my life to a boss. To a, to a, you know, uh, 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 a chief officer, and I mean, if you are working for a boss, then you just do your job. You make your assignment, you go back home. But when you have a friend, you stand by your friends. You stand by your friends. And Jesus gave his life for his friends. Unless I feel that friendship with other people, I'm not going to give my life to other people. So I'm going after building those friendships. And God really blessed because by that time when I was there spending time with a lot of brothers, guess this, a older friend of mine that I've been discipled for years, he started a church in Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, he called during the conference. I've sent him emails three months ago saying it's been five years now, no matter what had happened, remember what we used to be before. I miss you so much. I don't know what's going on, but please let me know. I'm see your friend. I'm ready. Call me. I will do everything for you. And the ICOC are split into three churches in Congo. We have the ICC remnant being with us. We have the ICOC church still there. And we have this brother who was the former leader of the ICOC in Congo that separated himself from the ICOC and he went away. Now he has a church with 138 members. He called when we were spending time with Cape and team over there and said, I want to join you guys. I want to join you guys. You know, I really believe that only friendship, no matter what's going to happen, only friendship will help us overlook sin and weaknesses in our life. 
So we got to build that friendship as disciples, as leaders, so that we can evangelize the world in this generation. Love you guys. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Good morning. Mm. Uh, I'm happy to be to come to be back. I don't know. So okay. <laughs> But just, I want to start to say thank you for the church, for your prayer, and a special thanks to Josephine, who took care of my family, my kids. So thank you, Josephine. So I just want to, to share about the same topic, the friendship, but uh, it was a great, great, great GLC, honestly. I know last year I was there, but this year it was very different because last year I was with, there with all my emotion, pain, cry, tears, everything. So this, this year it was uh, for me um, like uh, a dream again, dream again. And uh, I have a great opportunity to, to be part, Blaise and me, um, to be part in the Shepherd meeting. <laughs> so it was a great time with the Shepherd. So we met a lot of couple. And uh, in during the time we had, a, it was about our role, like a Shepherd meeting, but also to have, a, to build a great friendship. To be a Shepherd meeting, a Shepherd, we need to have a great friendship a great friendship and also so we had a great time with a couple like the Antalas, Antalas and the other couple from Chicago and New York, uh, San Francisco and uh, I, I, I saw that it's very important to build like a couple to have a friendship with another couple. So I just want to challenge the couple in this room for EMC See, I know a lot of couple will come, so it's time. I know we have a disciple partnership, but we need to 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 think uh, about the world, to think about all the move, movement it around the world. It's not in in London, so you need to build a friendship with this couple. Thank you, Church. So it's great to be back, um, and I think for me, going back to the G GLC is always kind of this combination of I get to see people that I spent years with finally, and I also hear good, great lessons. So it's always a toss-up: when am I going to get more out of the fellowship or the lessons? The fellowship, the lessons. And I think this class or this GLC, I definitely got more out of the lessons, as great as it was to be in the fellowship. And probably the most important one for me was the idea and the seriousness of interns. Um, and it actually was a thread that ran through, I think, the entire conversation. Conference, um, starting even with Andrew Smelly's speech, because he did the opening speech about Judges 2 and the problems that people went through um, after Joshua took the Promised Land because of them leaving God and how they needed strong leadership to bring them back to God. Um, and it even threaded through Chris Broom's lesson because he was talking about Gideon, but he started by saying that a true prophet identifies the true problem, um, that they needed the prophet to identify that they had sinned before Gideon could rise up and actually save them. Um, but then in the interns class, it really, really hit this really hard and focused on it, the heart that the interns need to have. Kyle Bartholomew was talking about Jephthah, and he was talking about how Jephthah was handcrafted by God 
God, that all of the trials and tribulations he went through in his life really prepared him to be the man to, to save Israel, and that character was earned and not given. That's the sum of our habits. So you get to look at your habits in your life, and I'm thinking, okay, what are the habits in my life? Do I like to sleep in too much? Do You know, all these different things. Um, and that the problem isn't that we don't have enough fruit, but do we have people that have the faith to pick the fruit? Um, and just needing to, that upward call of having that faith um, to really, really see that there is fruit out there and that it needs to come into the kingdom. Um, Carlos was hysterical because he did the Shibboleth versus Sibboleth class and he, he put a cap on his head and he's like, will the real um, interns please stand up? And he was jiving with it and, you know, throughout his sermon. And, but he was, he was challenging people not just to just look at the title of an intern, but really having the heart and the character to be that person. Um, whether you're a disciple, whether you're an intern, whether you're in the full-time ministry, that it's about it's about that character. And then Tim, of course, was you know the warrior that we all know and love. And so he was talking about really challenging the interns to run to the sound of chaos, um, not run away from it. That you can't be an, you cannot be a conflict avoider and be an intern. Um, but then also fighting in the hills where it wasn't easy. That that's where they started before they took the planes, and then needing the, just the taking care of business that we need in the kingdom, these warriors who are going to help the church have order because they're willing to, to fight um, the battles. And then someone also said, we don't change God's commands to fit our agenda, we change our agenda to match God's. And that was really the heart of it, that we want to change who we are to match who God wants us to be. Um, and then it just ended with a really cool note with Kip, just uh, giving a vision to the entire church of where the church is going to go worldwide. And it just brought home again just the need for us to raise up and have the heart, whether anybody's called an intern or not, so that these things can come to pass. Because if we don't stand up and have the heart to really make a difference, then all of these dreams will never happen. So it was just really inspiring and really just an upward call um, for what we can do now in London and then where London can go throughout the world. So to God be the glory. Hello, morning. Um, I think uh, just for me, the JLC was just an incre incredible privilege uh, to be at, um, just to really be given that opportunity to go. And what really inspired me um, about the JLC was just taking risks for Christ. Um, you know, just uh, living in London as a disciple for about two and a half years um, has been amazing. Um, but one thing that can really, um, one thing that can really, that's very easy to um, for me to sort of succumb to is just being confined to London and of course we all have this amazing dream we all want to you know Jesus's dream we all want to go to all nations um, but I think it's very easy for me to limit uh, my vision and just really have that dream on the surface um, but really visiting LA and seeing the spiritual Jerusalem just completely opened my eyes I felt like the scales fell off um, it was amazing like to see that the dream is actually real like our brothers and sisters um, um, they're doing it all over, um, and just to see how, um, seeing how far a lot of the disciples have come, and you know where they are now, from the likes of Tim and Leanne uh, to Andrew and Patrick Smelly, um, and a couple of Victor and Aurora uh, who are going to Mexico. I mean, like for these people, they like these are people who have taken risks, and they are continuously taking risks for the gospel, especially um, for Andrew and Patrick who are going to South Africa, you know, um, and 
Victor and Rua who are going to Mexico. I mean, these are completely different worlds. Like anything can happen to them. But you know, for them, that's not an issue. Um, the point is they have a goal, and as far as they're concerned, like God is their shield and their fortress, and that's not you know nothing. Uh, nothing is going to stop them. That really inspired me because I can really succumb into fear, succumb to fear. Um, and so one thing I definitely want to imitate is that radical boldness, just to take that leap of faith um, and to do riskier things for Christ, you know. Um, and that's and that's doing that, knowing that the battle is already won. Like it's going to happen. The gospel will get, you know, will go to all nations. And the question for me is, do I want to watch it happen or aid in making it happen? And I definitely want to make it happen. And um, I'm definitely reminded of um, Peter's example in Matthew as he uh, stepped out of the boat to walk uh, towards Jesus. Um, obviously, that was a huge step of courage to walk on water. It's unlogical. It doesn't make sense. Um, but he did it anyway. And so for me, um, the challenge for me was a, was a quote that a brother um, stated. He said, if something you want to do scares you, just do it. <laughs> and so that's definitely what I want to do. You know, the first century disciples, they took risks, um, and I'm no different to them. And so that's definitely something I'm going to do uh, for the Christ. And I love you all. <laughs> to God be the glory. Amen. The greetings from the LA Church. As, um, as Michael said, my name is Casey, and I help my husband to lead the West region of the City of Angels Church, and that's the region with Santa Monica and UCLA and all of that. And we help a lot with the campus ministry. And I was so inspired by the GLC. And the thing that inspired me most was definitely the growth. Because as we're growing spiritually and learning how to plant and water, God is growing his movement. And we were really um, shooting for about 675 people to come. I was in charge of registration. So I was constantly registering people, and we were really hoping to hit 675. And about a week before, we still weren't there. We're still at about 500. And so we're really praying that God will grow the number of people that are coming, and we ended up having 876 people come to the GLC. So it just shows the hearts of the people in God's movement that they really want to sacrifice, and people, um, 86 people came from Chicago, flying, sacrificing money, time. It was just really incredible to see the hearts of the disciples, and then to see the five mission teams sent out. It's just really crazy to think how much, is, how much God has done in so little time. From us sitting and dreaming a few years ago to now it really becoming a reality. And so we got to see Paris sent out, Orlando, San Francisco, Mexico City, and Boston. And Colton and Mandy are going to Boston, which I know is very dear to this church here. And just to see how much they've grown and how much the church here has been such a huge part of who they are now. And then I was um, really inspired also to see the growth in the team ministry. And I know Simone got to go to the GLC, so that was awesome. And my husband and I are in charge of a program called Ignite. And it's the team camp that we've been doing, we did this year um, for teen disciples. And it's a camp that is um, all about developing their leadership. And um, all of the, most of those teens that came to the camp were also at the GLC. 
And we got to teach them how to, uh, during Ignite, we taught them how to song lead, how to preach, how to be ushers, how to do dances, how to, how to do special music. And they ran the San Francisco church service that following Sunday. And it was amazing to see these 15-year-olds preaching. And these are going to be our future leaders of God's kingdom and hopefully Simone in that group as well. But it's just awesome to see that not only, um, you know, the, the older men and the, and the, you know, women and women in their 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s raising up and doing something for God, but also the teens wanting to do something for God and to see what he's done in our movement already. And it just really helped me to trust him that he's got our back. He's here with us. And as long as we stay with him, he's going to grow the movement and it's worth the sacrifice. That's what I got. Well, let's, uh, let's give it up for uh, the good news sharing right there. All the brothers and sisters around the, 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 the globe, I'm sure, have good news to share as well. And, of course, I'm sure you'll hear from Kia and Keithra and Dapo, who are still being saturated with faith over there. And uh, Dapo is getting a chance, I believe, to, he prayed for uh, the staff meeting, or he prayed for one of the, uh, the leaders meeting. And uh, I got a text from someone saying, uh, Yuri's going to be doing this, and Dapo's doing that, and Kia's doing this. And I said, well, hold on. Just, just, just calm down what, what's going on over there. This is my Kia, my Dapo right there. I had a little, some feelings of spiritual jealousy came over me right there in the Lord. I just want to be open right there uh, about what God is doing around the world. But you'll hear from them when, when they return here um, shortly. Jeremiah chapter 1. I have a brief chart for you. I mean, I had an incredible time over there in Los Angeles, California. And, of course, the title for the workshop was Chosen. And it came out of the book of Judges. And of course, as a church, we've just gone through the book of Judges just recently. And we remember that incredible thread that people went from the disobedient to the darkness. Then God allowed them to come into distress. And then in their distress, they called out to the divine. And then when they called out to the divine, he sent them a deliverer, a judge. And then the cycle started all over again. You remember that, right? And of course, that thread is weaved in throughout the entire book of judges, but what was interesting about it as all the classes were going on is that what, what stood out, started standing out to me was this, this issue of each generation there being a judge, each generation there being a leader, each generation there being a man, each generation there being a woman, each generation there being a people that were called to live out God's plan. And uh, of course, we understand that you know, a generation, if you actually look at it biblically, I mean, you could argue that a generation is roughly about 35 to 40 years. Uh, and so we see that you got about that length of time to get it done in your generation. And it started standing out to me that, okay, of course, I, I, I'm in a generation, but in Je uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, of course, the word of God applies to us all. He says in verse 4, says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, 
I knew you. So God knew little Jonathan and Donathan right there. God, God knew exactly what was happening right there. He knew those two little, little boys were going to come on out. And of course, I saw the great picture of Jonathan and Donovan. They had their hands around each other right there. And so it was kind of cute right there. They, they looked just like Denise. It was, it was incredible. She says, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say, whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And the church said, you know, if there's one thing that stood out to me at the GLC, it was this issue that it wasn't about God being with his people. It wasn't about an issue of God being with Gideon, the mighty warrior right there. It wasn't about God being with Jephthah, who had that crazy life. It wasn't about God being with Samson because he was set apart from birth. It wasn't about God being with Deborah. It wasn't about God being with Jael. It wasn't about God being with his people. It was about the people being with God. There was no issue. And, 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 and for me, what got exposed is my relationship with God. That at times I've allowed bitterness and a, a, a overwhelmed pressure to come on me where I get a little edgy and I start struggling in my relationship with God. And when that happens, you can say, is God with me? God is with you, but are you with God? That, that's the real question that stood out to me. It wasn't about God being with his people. He was always there. It's not about God being with you even today. God is with you. But are you with God? Right. How was your time with God even this morning? I mean, let's get serious. Let's not make life more complicated than it is. Your, your time with God reflects your relationship with God. Your time with God reflects your relationship with the people of God. Your time with God reflects your relationships with people all around. You cannot have terrible relationships with people and an awesome relationship with God. You cannot have an awesome relationship with God, I'm close to God, but have terrible relationships with people. You can't do that. I saw the hypocrisy in my life. I go, okay, let, let, me, let, me, just, let me just start from the bottom. Come on, baby. Let me just start in my relationship with God. I was able to say, oh, I, I'm having a quiet time in a prayer, but no, 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 not, not just having a quiet time in a prayer. I mean, even that became my relationship with God, a quiet time and a prayer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Not spending time with the almighty God to talk to the creator of the universe, to talk to the man who created me in his image, who set me apart before birth. And the plan that, 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 that was manifest through all my life challenges is just a part of God's training. I, 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 I really believe that I take my eyes off of God. I take my eyes off of God. I, I, some of you may even, I, I can't remember who it was I talked to. I said, you know, uh, you know God is with us and, and, and he, he's with us. And, and I didn't know how to finish that, 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 that statement. God is with us, but... <laughs> and, and then when I got to the GLC, it's not about God being with you. Because I, I was like, that's redundant. God is with us. God is with me. But am I with God? It's a choice to choose to be with God. Tyler, of our charge is a chosen generation. We are that chosen generation. Do you believe that? Yes. To date, there is absolutely no church that's actually evangelized the nations in one generation. 
teaching what the Bible teaches about salvation. Are you with me here? Come on. Of course the Methodist church teaches and have evangelized the world, but yes, they, 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 they teach that children should be baptized. Yet when you go to the Bible, no children are baptized. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is the standard, the word of God or the word of man? Sure, there are other groups and movements that have sent the gospel, but there's no group or movement that's taught the accurate way to become saved, that's taught the accurate way to have a relationship with God that's actually done it. And yet God has chosen this generation for a man to rise up, for people to rise on up and say, we are going to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything for the gospel. That is not by chance. It is not by chance that you are even here today. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says, God determines the times and places and the exact places where you live. Because he wants you to seek after God. And so we understand that having the true message of the gospel, having the true understanding of what it means to be saved, we are the chosen generation. Point number one. Believe you were chosen out of weakness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've just got to go right back to the beginning right here of everything. I, I just, it's great to go back to the beginning. Are you guys with me here? Just to, get, just to get very simple and go back to the beginning of how it all began for you spiritually. You remember how it all began? You remember when you first came to church? You remember the first time someone gave you that flyer? You remember how kind of that feeling came over you when someone reached out to you and you're like, oh, why me? <laughs> what, what, what was it that I did? Why are you inviting me? What's going on? Why not all these other people? I remember that day. I was working in a mall. I was selling futons. Inspiring life. Futon beds. I was inspired about my futon job. And this guy just walks in. I'm in the middle of a conversation. He just beelines and walks up to me and says, I want to invite you to church. I, I, the fear of God came over me. I was like, what in the world? And he invited me out. Lo and behold, I wound up meeting 30 different individuals from the same church. I mean, it was God after me. But I wasn't after God. And then finally, after being severely humbled by God, after losing $9,000, after getting caught being unfaithful in the relationship that I was involved in, after losing my apartment, after losing my job, after allowing my, seeing my car get impounded, after God stripping everything away, I finally cried out to the, and then on top of it all, I got in trouble with the law. This all happened in one day. And then I started remembering all those studies that they did with me seeking God. Man, I kind of want to seek God right now. <laughs> that would be a good idea right now. I kind of want to be a disciple right now. It'd be awesome to give up everything. Everything's been taken from me. I kind of want to be saved. And it took that for me to actually understand. I remember, you remember when you were reached out to. You, I mean, how often do you just go back to the beginning and remember who you were? Bottom line, all of us were weak. You weren't chosen because you are awesome. You were chosen because of weakness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. I mean, people are frustrated right now that try to take God at a philosophical view, a scientific view. 
says, where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? I mean, he's just making such a mockery of putting intelligence over spirituality. And in, in verse 26, he says, brothers of this, think of what you were when you were called. <laughs> When's the last time you did that? You just stopped and thought of what you were when you were called. What was I when I, well, I, I actually took some time to do that on the few days that I was in LA. What was I when I was called? I was a liar, that's for sure. I was very impure, that, that, that's for sure. Pornography, that was a part of my natural diet. I was very angry without knowing it because I was a numb. People would ask me, how do you feel about your, the fact you've never known your father? Oh, I don't feel anything. And you know when your heart doesn't feel anything, that's because it's calloused and it's numb. It's stopped feeling. You're so hurt, there's a callus over it. And of course, you gotta get under that callus to get to the soft tissue. So I was very angry, very bitter. That's who I was. I've been through things in life that are challenging. Some of you know my life, you know a lot of my stories from being abandoned to seeing the drug use to seeing a family where sexual impurity and all these types of things are just swept under the carpet. That's where I was and that's who I was before I became a disciple. It's good to think of who you were before you became a disciple. It's good to remember who you were and who you can become when you stop choosing God. You guys still with me here? Yes. He says, think of what you were when you called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. He says, you were not cranking. He says, not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world. That's us, guys. To shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You know, today you may have come for the first time and you may be feeling weak. You're in the right place to be. You may be feeling like you're incompetent. You're in the right place to be. You may be feeling like you, 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 you're not strong. And that's because God doesn't want you to be strong. He wants to be strong in your life. So you can't boast that it was of your strength that you've accomplished his will in your life. Are you guys with me here? But he said, well, maybe I can't do it. Well, in John chapter 16, verse 33, says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. If Jesus overcame the world, we can overcome the world. Amen? We're chosen out of weakness. We're chosen out of weakness. God chooses us when we're weak. I believe that's for several reasons. One of which I mentioned about his glory. But I also believe that God chooses you when you're weak because you're always weak. <laughs> you're never strong. You're never awesome. You're never mature enough. You're never talented enough. You're never, th these things are, and yet these things can creep into our mind. They can creep into our heart. Where we think, well, I've, I was chosen, or I'm chosen because of my strength. I'm chosen because, and then maybe after a while, we saw I'm chosen because of my maturity. I'm chosen because of my good looks, my Bible knowledge. 
but you're chosen because you're weak. That, that, that came screaming at me at the GLC. You're weak, Michael. You need help. You need relationships. It's not just a good thing. No, you need those relationships. You need discipling. It's not just a good thing. You need it. You need to evangelize the nation. You need that vision because your life is filled with the lack of vision. Wow. You need the vision of evangelizing the nation in one generation. That's the only vision you need. Because you're weak. And you'll always be weak. And I'll always be strong. God chooses the weak. And of course, the question is very simple. Again, have you chosen God? He's chosen you. But have you chosen God? You know, of course, with Gideon, the mighty warrior, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He says, go in the strength you have. And of course, Gideon didn't want to go. He didn't want to go because he wanted to stay in the strength that he had. Instead of letting God make up the rest. You don't have to be strong. You can let God be strong. You can let him be the strongest aspect of your life. God chooses the weak. What is the attitude of those who choose and what's the attitude of those who don't choose? Romans chapter 8. You guys still with me here? Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is encouraging, uplifting, and inspirational. No, a book of second opinions, right? The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind of the, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. And the church said, you see the difference of those who choose and those who do not. Those who choose, hey, you've got the power of God. Those who do not, there's a hostility in your heart. There's an angst in your heart. He says the sinful mind is hostile towards God. He says the other thing is it lacks the ability to submit. It can't submit. He says you can't please God when your mind is hostile towards the Lord. And bottom line, the reason people don't choose God is sin. It's just simple. It's not confusing. That's the reason why. I start saying, that means on a daily basis, if I don't wake up and choose God, I decide to wake up and be hostile to God. I decide to wake up and sin. I start the battle, already a weak individual who needs God, but even in a worse state because I don't choose the strength of God so I can live the life of God. Are you with me right here? We've got to dig into our relationships with God. We've got to choose God on a daily basis. We've got to choose to pray. We've got to choose to worship on a daily basis. We're chosen out of weakness. Now, 
The cool thing is that people are choosing God all over the world. I mean, I was so inspired by the five mission teams that went out. I mean, if you, you guys have absolutely no idea the impact. Uh, over 170 disciples sent out all over the world for the glory of God right there. Amen? That's 170 disciples that have chosen to be used by God. That have chosen to go into the ministry. That have seen the vision and chosen. That have chosen to uproot their great life and their kids and move to another city. That have chosen to commute just so that they could get the. They chose it. Because they're in the chosen generation and they understand. There are people choosing all over the world. It was so great to just see so many disciples, man. The ones going to San Francisco. I remember one brother, Ryan Caceres. I mean, he was doing terrible spiritually. I got to L.A. He was on fire for God. He had a gleam in his eye. And he says, I'm going back to San Francisco to preach the word. I'll never forget a young gal named Rebecca who, who, who was not doing so awesome spiritually. And, of course, she was with me and Michelle. And she had that gleam in her eye. And, of course, her and Ryan are now dating. And she says, I'm going on a mission team. She, she just barely had the faith to be in a Bible talk or be a Bible talk leader. Now she's going on a mission team. Amen. I just was, wow, she's choosing God. She's choosing an incredible destiny right here. People are choosing all over the world. And of course, I'm fired up today because your brother Simon Austin has chosen God again. He's come back to be restored. See, if we're going to be those people, we've got to choose God. Amen? Lives impacted by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we're going to be that chosen generation, we've got to have lives that are impacted by the grace of God. What's he say in verse 9? For I'm the least of the apostles. I mean, there it is, the weakness right there. Paul says, I'm the least. I mean, is that how you feel in the church? That you are the least. He said, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believe. Lives impacted by the grace of God. What has been the impact of the grace of God in your life? What's been the impact? What's it produced in your life? Has it produced a smile today even? Does it produce bitterness? Because of the cost? Does it produce an overwhelmed sense of things? Or does it produce a hard work? Because you want to show God that you are grateful for him forgiving you of your weaknesses and sins. You know, a story that was briefly touched on, I think it was MJ, is Vic and Aurora Gonzalez. Now, Vic and Aurora Gonzalez, I mean, they, they have had uh, their fair share of challenges in the kingdom of God. I mean, they went down on, uh, they, they've already gone on a, two or three different kind of missionary journeys, kind of pseudo-Phoenix and then L.A. and then down to Santiago, Chile, and now back to L.A. And now they're going to arguably one of the most dangerous cities in the world, Mexico City. Now, you say, why is it dangerous? Well, it's dangerous for them specifically because it's quite well known that her being Caucasian and him being Mexican, that, that there's a heavy prejudice towards her and towards even him having her. And there could be a, a, a literal threat to her life and his life with them just choosing to go. They understand it. We sat in a central leadership meeting and Vic shared with tears how 
because of the grace of God, he's willing to go. That even if he has to be hurt, injured, even if there are things that are shameful to mention that happened to his wife, he will not, he won't deny the calling of God that he will go because God forgave him. That is a life impacted by the grace of God. Amen. And I started going, okay, well, what's our excuse for not going down to Brixton? Amen, Brixton. I've heard Brixton is tough. Brixton is, what's our excuse for not going over to East London? The Olympic traffic? What's our excuse for not evangelizing right here in Camden? Do we have lives that are impacted by the grace of God? What kind of impact has the grace of God had in your life? Paul says, I don't deserve anything because I'm the least. And we understand that he wound up dying for the gospel. We need to impact this city. When you share your faith, I want you to mentally go. No, this isn't sharing my faith. This is the grace of God making an impact. This is the grace of God. When you get in there and you encourage that brother, this isn't a D time. No, this is the grace of God showing its impact through discipleship. When you give your contribution today, this isn't I'm giving my contribution. No, no. It's the grace of God showing its impact in your life. It's all about God's grace, God's forgiveness. And even for myself, I, I got out of touch with that. I, I'll be honest. It's because of the grace of God that you're in London, Michael. It's his impact. It's you laying your life down for the Lord. And it's all about you having a life impacted by the grace of God. Romans chapter 14, obligated to preach believing. We're obligated to preach believing. Romans chapter 14, the Bible says this. Paul, of course, is writing the church in Rome here and he's talking about accepting the weak and accepting the strong and he gives a great analogy of food and how one man accepts a lot, one man doesn't. And he says something very, I think that really applies to us to this day if we're going to be that chosen generation. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, he says, let us make every effort to do what leads to mutual, leads to peace and mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fail. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because if his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is what? Let's hear that again. Everything that does not come from faith is what? So discipleship that does not come from faith is what? Evangelism that does not come from faith is what? Special contribution that doesn't come from faith is what? Walking with God that doesn't come from faith is what? Marrying only disciples that doesn't come from faith because you believe in it is what? It's all sin if it's not done because you actually believe it. You have faith behind it. I went, whoa. We're obligated to preach believing. What we preach, we got to believe. When you believe it, it will make an impact. Why doesn't preaching make an impact? People don't believe it. Why can't one man take the holy word of God, the most powerful thing in the face of earth, and help another man become a disciple? Because you don't believe it. That's why. Has nothing to do even with the first principles. 
It has to do with you believing what you preach. You believing, I'm a chosen man, I'm, I'm in the chosen generation, I'm a disciple, I have the truth, you do not. <laughs> and you gotta preach it, and you gotta truly believe it. We're obligated to preach believing. If we're gonna be the generation, we gotta believe what we preach. We gotta believe that this person will repent when I preach the word. This person can become a disciple when I preach the word. Or they won't. That doesn't stop me from believing. Because I believe that there are one of two responses when the word of God is preached. Good hearts become disciples. Bad hearts do not. What we think is that someone can have a good heart and not become a disciple. That's absolutely, that's a lie from the devil. A person that doesn't want to live the life of a Christian or doesn't want to become a Christian has a terrible heart. A person that does want to become a disciple has a noble and good heart, the Bible teaches. Do you believe that? You've got to preach believing. You say, well, what does it have to do with London? I, I think we got some of us don't truly believe. I think we're following the crowds. I think we say, amen. But we don't believe it. But you are God's instrument. You're chosen by God. You're the ones who were chosen. God didn't make a mistake. You're the exact disciples God needs here in London, England. You're the exact sister God needs in the East. You're the exact brother that God needs in the North. You're the exact disciple that God needs on camp. God didn't make a mistake. He chose you. We got to believe that, guys. I want to challenge you to believe the message that we preach with all your heart. We need more judges to raise on up. We need more young men to raise on up. We need more young women to raise on up. And I believe it starts with us really believing the message. Matthew chapter 21. We're ordered to bear fruit. If we're going to be this generation, we can't just be the generation because we can preach it and even when we believe it, we got to bear fruit. You guys with me there? Matthew chapter 21. Check this out. We're ordered to bear fruit. To be the generation, we've, we, we've got to be fruitful. He says this in Matthew 21, verse 43. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And the church said, now, that's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Church in Galatia hadn't even been started yet. That's talking about fruit. That's not talking about the fruits of the Spirit. I just want to help you out with that one right there. Now, you need the fruits of the Spirit to make a disciple right there. Amen? You can't angrily make someone a sold-out disciple. That, that probably isn't. You need to get baptized. That doesn't usually work. But we're ordered to bear fruit. I just look at this room and I go, wow. What about when the London church... It's a hundred disciples. What about when we hit a hundred disciples? Now, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I was so proud of the church. I was so proud of the church. I mean, this is week number, this is our 10th week. No, this is our 8th week, and this is our 10th addition to the church right there. Amen? And I just go... The, God, the, the disciples, are, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it while we're gone. That's awesome. That's inspirational. That, 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 that's powerful. That's being the chosen generation. But right.
right here, Matthew just says, we're ordered to bear fruit. Amen. You know, it was so great being over there. I'll never forget one young man that I met. He'd been a disciple three months. And uh, I said, well, what, 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 what how, how's it going? He goes, well, you know, it's, it's going pretty good. I haven't, I haven't baptized enough people yet. It's been, it's been a month and a half now since I've really, uh, you know, baptized anyone. And, you know, I got, I got one person down, and, but uh, it's still been a month. I go, well, how long have you been a disciple? I've been a disciple three months. I mean, he looked me dead in the eye like, what's wrong with you? And then right then I realized, what is wrong with me? That it was a shock that a three-month disciple had a problem with the fact that he wasn't bearing fruit. And I went, I've got a problem. Not he's so special. Right. I got a problem with my heart. And I'm the preacher. Oh my goodness. I gotta I gotta repent. I gotta repent. We're ordered to bear fruit. Every single one of you can be fruitful. Do you believe that? It's quite quiet. So you may want to check your heart. Talk about that in discipleship time. Do you believe you can bear fruit? You may have sin in your life. Get open about it. So you can stop feeling guilty. Down on yourself. Sorry for yourself. But if you're chosen people, you can bear fruit. Your mom can become a Christian. Your sister can become a Christian. Your friends can become a Christian. Your family can become Christians. Or someone else's family can become a Christian. God can see you love someone else's brother like you love your physical brother. They become a disciple and someone else gets your disciple. I mean, that's how it just works. To be God's chosen people, we can never tire. We can never get weary. We're ordered to bear fruit. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 2, and verse 17, after God's people arguably had lost the dream, being enslaved by the Romans there and going through quite a difficult time. And Acts chapter 2 simply says this in verse 17. It says, in the last days God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below. Blood, fire, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What I love about this is he says in the last days, he starts saying, young men and old men will begin to dream again. He says they'll see visions. He says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He just scoops everybody together and says, you'll all start dreaming again. You, you guys that, that, that are oppressed by Israel and Rome, and you're going to start to dream again. And you know, of course, our conference is entitled Men Who Dream. And I, I put before you, uh, we, we need to start dreaming here. We, we, we need to start dreaming as disciples of an incredible teen ministry right here in London, England. Can I get an amen for that? We need to start dreaming of a chemical recovery ministry right here in London, England. We need to start dreaming of men and women who want to go into the ministry, not who got to be called and ushered and prodded and picked and poked and challenged to go into the ministry right there. We need to start dreaming of meeting the next evangelist. 
Yeah. I mean, is that one of your dreams? I'm going to meet an evangelist today. I'm going to meet a woman that goes into the ministry today. We need to start dreaming. Yeah. Of a church of 10,000. That's my dream. We got 9,000 in Wembley Stadium. And that was disciples and visitors. What about a church of 10,000 right here in London, England? We're building a temple the second time. Second's best. God rewards the quest, right? We can do it if we start dreaming. We can do it if all of us catch fire and get a dream. I want to challenge you to get a dream. What is your dream? Long term and short term. What's your short term dream for your life this year? What is your goal evangelistically this year? What is your goal for how many people you want to help become disciples? What is your goal for working through your past? What is your goal with your children in your marriage? Do you have dreams? Or have we just settled and stopped dreaming and stopped having vision? Where there is no vision, the people perish. I put before you, if you're not dreaming, you're dying. If you're not dreaming, you're dying. And if you don't want to dream, you're dead. You say, I don't have a dream. Well, God's got a great dream. It's the evangelization of the nations of one generation. You take all of our points and you string them together. And they spell blood. You're a chosen generation because Jesus shed his blood for you. To God be the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot U-K. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.